Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into Wildbo's most second work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And we are back to talk about Collateral 4.6. Yes. Collateral 4.5 ended with Blake looking forward to a coffee with Tiffany, and uh, we we pick up 4.6 with Bliffany going to get a coffee together, um, right? Straight into the action. Yep, makes sense. Um, interestingly, we, we don't get a good sense of how much time has passed until a little bit later in the chapter, but uh, that, <laughs> that becomes very relevant because Rose is still not here. I, I want to read out the start the start to this chapter. Yeah. Um, the very first lines where Blake thinks, I'd seated myself so the crowd was at my back with the idea that I'd be able to see the window, hopefully spotting danger or seeing if and when Rose turned up. I felt the absence and I felt a bit of mounting pressure alongside it. Hmm, this mounting yep. pressure is the is the real theme of this chapter. Um, Rose is gone. We don't know how long she's been gone, but she's been gone since uh, Isadora, you know, the, the conflict outside Isadora's office yesterday. And <laughs> the pressure's building. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are so many times in this chapter where we just have Rose's absence pointed out to us. Mm. It's like the theme of the chapter is... Blake looks just to check Rose isn't in the reflection yet, and she's not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I found it a bit weird that, like, his way of comforting himself is to sit with his back to the crowd. Um, <laughs> yeah, I liked when you called this out, because I hadn't noticed it. But you're right. When Normally in a situation like this, especially someone who can be kind of as uh, maybe paranoid isn't the right word, mm-hmm. but kind of paranoid as Blake. Justifiably paranoid. Usually, yeah, totally. Uh, you would you would sit with your back to the wall or to the window so you can kind of keep an eye on everything, right? Yeah, um, I would have thought so. Not so here. I mean, I, I definitely get wanting to keep the window in check in case yeah. Rose shows up. Um, but yeah, I just I yeah. just thought this was interesting because I, I actually, like, the reason I sort of brought this up is I actually misread it the first time and I assumed he was saying that he had his back against the wall and then I realized mm. that I was wrong and I was like, oh, but that's what I would have done. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I actually had that mental picture in my head the whole time through. Um, I also like that he says, if and when Rose turned up, like, <laughs> Rose is coming, don't worry. <laughs> uh, but we find out not so. Um, so Blake and Tiffany are, are having their coffee date and just kind of making awkward small talk, talking about a lot of <laughs> the kind of things that you wouldn't normally talk about on your first date. Um, their exes, their... Uh, interesting hang-ups related to their traumas, um, things that they dislike about their friends, all the stuff that you really shouldn't <laughs> probably talk about on your first date. Yeah, um, but also I kind of think it's, it's in, in a weird way, it's, it's a really good sign. Like, it's that sort of thing where it's, it's very mature and they're just sort of getting all their bullshit out on the table. Yeah, uh, maybe it's and, wrong and, to you say know, you shouldn't talk about it on your first date, but um, it does feel like a weird thing to start to start with. It's definitely full on. It, it makes me think, like, you know, they're both young. Like, they're both, what, late teens, early 20s. Um, mm. and, and it's probably not the sort of thing a normal person that age would do, whereas I do think when you're, like, a, a 35-year-old person in Western culture um, and you're, like, hitting the dating scene, that's very much where people are looking for something serious and, and it's more mm. something someone that age would do where they'd sit down and they'd be like, look, here's all my shit. Like, give me your shit and we'll see if, like, we're heading in the same direction and then we can, like, work it out from there. Um, it, it's definitely not something someone their age would usually do, I, I would think. Yeah. It it makes sense, though. I mean, it's, it is realistic for them to be uh, more upfront about their <laughs> their traumas <laughs> and, and making sure that they actually are compatible. I mean, Blake explicitly throughout this conversation hits beats of really wanting to take physical stuff very slowly. Um, 
Yeah. And makes sense to, to bring that up, to, to have that be something that they both are aware of going into the relate, potential relationship, I guess. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, it definitely. It feels very mature all around to me, uh, like yeah. the sort of the way they handle these, you know, as you said, pretty intense topics for first date. Um, yeah. So another kind of through line through this conversation is Blake still worrying about uh, the radiation from Poe's. Uh, yeah, he's he's kind of second guessing Tiffany's reactions and some of his own reactions. It's like, is she nervous? Is this the radiation? It's a fun little framing device for the conversation. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, we can't just have a nice thing. There has to be like a little bit of a dampener, just, just making sure, you know. <laughs> That there may be something else going on here. Uh, that's <laughs> just Blake's has life to be now. An undercurrent of uh, yeah of something. Uh, oh, sorry. I just want to say my favorite bit is when Tiffany calls out how tense Blake is, and like he only just realizes that as she says it. And then there's like this moment where he's just trying to sit casually, and he, and he's <laughs> like, "Oh yeah, this is working. I'm looking like relaxed." And then <laughs> Tiffany sort of is like, "Hey, you know, don't don't worry about it," which is like just says to me that he was completely failing, and he just looked like he was like sitting back and looking tense. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's he's really overly. <laughs> you get the sense of him kind of whistling, like acting yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, the old like um, be cool type type yeah. thing. Uh, yeah, so uh, the conversation eventually turns to Alexis. Interestingly, and Blake kind of brings up something that he dislikes about her. He he talks about how he he finds her to be too pushy to people who are already in a good place and want to just take a breather and uh, revel in their relative uh, sanity. Yeah, I mean this is this is really interesting because so far from Blake's perspective, all we've heard about Alexis is how like perfect and fantastic she is. Mm. So this is our first glimpse that he sort of you know has has a fairly. Well, you know, he has a reasonable picture of her. Like she, he knows that she has like faults that that go. Um, but, well, you know, she's there's just just she has faults. Yeah, um, yeah. And- it's interesting uh, thinking about why he brings this up with Tiffany, who's really someone that he doesn't know very well. Um, it it's quite a nice thought to me that he is kind of looking out for her in a lot of ways. Like he recognizes that they're similar, and so <laughs> he's yeah. he's been very grateful to alexis for the role that she played in his life but also wants to kind of help tiffany be aware of the potential downside of of that role that alexis can play i think it's a it's nice it's blake kind of recognizing hey this girl is like me i can help her he's just being a nice dude yeah totally because like and i mean i i can sort of relate to this in a sense i don't think i've had it like you know quite as intense as these two but there's when people are sort of frustrating you or making things worse when they're trying to help you and if it's someone who has helped you a lot before it, it it's very hard to not feel really guilty about being frustrated with them trying to like force something on you that you don't want um mm. and, and so and, and tiffany is very like you know she's established herself as someone who is not very assertive um i, I think that's a direct yeah, quote from totally. her uh and so this is you know very useful information for play together like just sort of saying hey when you reach a point where you are happy, like Alexis will sort of keep pushing and you don't need to feel completely bad about not wanting that. Like, yeah. you know, it's very reasonable and, and, and something, you know, you can sort of relate to even if it's not some exactly what Blake and, and Tiffany are going through. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think relatable is a very, uh, 
a, a very apt word for a lot of parts of this conversation. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a fun moment where Blake, uh, Tiffany asks about his tattoos, and Blake kind of instinctively rolls up his sleeve, forgetting that, that these tattoos have been acting very weirdly since he awakened, and they aren't kind of like mundane there could be things going weird with them um he's just kind of got so comfortable in this situation that he's forgotten about being a practitioner in some ways which is a a fun little beat yeah he quickly mentions that he had been making sure he wasn't actually lying um Mm. but yeah for me i read this and i was like oh yeah shit good point uh like has he lied i don't know like i was just enjoying the date for what it was too uh which yeah it's um it's it's an interesting moment where you, you and Blake are sort of pulled out of the just the niceness of this little date and you're sort of like, oh, yeah, like everything's always ruined now because he's a practitioner. Yeah. And speaking of things being ruined, <laughs> um, the two men in the donut shop start to fight and Blake suspects this is because of his radiation uh, and it, it obviously makes him pretty uncomfortable. And so he and Tiffany uh, head out and head out of the, the donut shop kind of wrapping up their date, exchanging some short, pleasant words, agreeing to probably go on another date soon. <laughs> yeah, I love how T- he says, oh, should we do this again? And Tiffany's like, oh, maybe. And Blake's so thrown off by that. He, yeah. he was like, he, <laughs> he was pretty rightfully convinced. Like, I think all the signals he'd been getting were that this was going well. So there's this sort of well, this bit of whiplash where he's like, whoa, what? He thinks something that I think is kind of gross here, where he, yes, all the signals are good, but then he also has this thought of like, she's she's quite um not assertive and so she'll probably just say yes which is a bit of a gross kind of thought to have Blake. <laughs> yeah that's true um no but you're right we do expect i mean this date has gone very well by all by all measures um but tiffany pulls up two two specific things uh, the one i want to mm. call out is she calls blake out on how he reduced his past dates to like labels the big sister the whatever um and she's quite scared of what her label would be, uh, justifiably so. I think she's a very nervous person. Um, uh, yeah, yeah and-, and it's something Blake didn't really mean it as a way to dismiss him. It was probably just something that was meant to be, like, you know, quick rather than mm-hmm. um, dismissive. But it's true, sort of, when you're reducing someone who is a part of your life down to, like, a single word, it's understandable that Tiffany would not want to be someone or not want to become just like a you know a little dot point in in blake's dating history um yeah yeah she she theorizes that her her label might be the girl who was eating the donut too slowly because she was nervous (laughs) and blake just didn't notice this at all Um, i didn't even realize she was eating a donut (laughs) yeah i went back to look to re-read that to kind of see if there was any hints of it in Blake's mind at all. I don't think he mentioned what she was eating at all the whole time. So (laughs) he might have been a bit too self-absorbed on that first date. Well, I mean, self-absorbed or or distracted or or both. Distracted. Um, Yeah, I mean, his his reflection slash alter ego slash better half is missing. So (laughs) fair enough, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I, I also want to pull out this quote which I think is great to show the delineation between the two halves of this chapter. Uh, As Blake and Tiffany separate, the quote is, we parted ways, and then on a new line, immediately I shifted mental gears. It's these two kind of short, sharp sentences that that say, that very clearly kind of say, all right, that was the nice part of this chapter, and now we're going into the other part of this chapter. We're back to all business. business. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, because he, you know, he finishes the date with these sort of touching 
words that leave Tiffany sort of blushing um, mm. and, and, you know, how he really needed something like this to take his mind off it. And there's like the second he turns around, he's like, okay, like switch. Uh, and, and, you know, like I got my nice thing and now it's like back to business. And I got to admit that sort of, com- that ability to compartmentalize or, or, you know, live in the moment, maybe like, like <laughs> may not co- be consciously compartmentalizing as much as just uh, not thinking too much about past or future. Um, but it's, it's probably a huge asset to him, uh, in terms of mental yeah. health, uh, going yeah. forward. He, he kind of explicitly calls out, uh, he, he did this when he had the party, when he got back to his apartment, but also for this, he kind of calls out, these are the things that, that solidify his identity and let him kind of refresh his, his personal power. Uh, you kind of get the picture. He's just kind of guessing at the mechanics of this, but it does seem to be true that he kind of allows himself to refresh and rejuvenate his brain. And then he kind of gets back into the swing of things. Um, mm. I think he's, it's good that he allows himself to have that. I think it, it really helps. Yeah. Um, so we, we get into the second part of this chapter. Blake heads home and Rose still hasn't shown up. Uh, and Blake's getting real worried now. Me too. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's about 1pm uh, at this point, and he hasn't seen Rose since last night. It's been a fair a fair chunk of time. Um, oh, well, no, he saw, her, he saw her earlier that morning, didn't he? At the, wait, wait, the last time we saw her was when she smashed the, the windows well, earlier I that morning. The, I thought that was in the evening. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm mistaken. Um, anyway, he hasn't seen her since the showdown at... At Isadora's, which has been at least a few hours. Yeah, uh, yeah. And <laughs> he's getting nervous. It's, you know, last when she broke the ice, she was gone for a while. And this was two windows. It's not a good sign. Um, mm. <laughs> I mean, it, Blake, it's 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 great how, how much Blake is clearly starting to appreciate Rose now. Like, you know, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Um, yeah. He's, he's, he's constantly thinking in this segment, segment as he's like, you know, tattooing himself in his clothes. He's like, God, I, mm. but I need Rose to do this and I need Rose to do yeah. that. I'm like, holy shit, I'm kind of useless without her. <laughs> uh, it's it's probably, it, it might be healthy in the long term that she's gone for a while here. Yeah, he, he's, you know, he's he's getting ready to go and bind Pows and it's, sorry, Poos, and it's like, this is the thing that Rose is really good at, right? Like the wordplay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you really do miss her. Uh, so anyway, Blake is kind of distracting himself from this by by kidding up. Uh, he he basically takes the idea that that uh, to fight Poos or to kind of protect himself against Poos, he needs to be as put together as possible to fight against the kind of unnaturalness of Poos. Um, so he bleaches his clothes in protective kind of designs. He showers. He meticulously grooms himself and he spends you know a solid chunk of time, a few hours, basically just making himself feel clean and proper yeah um like this this is a good idea i think like all of his logic kind of tracks um although i wouldn't be surprised to learn that it's also wrong like you know it, it kind of makes sense but it's not foolproof but, but that's where mm. he is at the moment uh I, i'm not much of a visual person when i read like i usually tend to gloss over physical descriptions of people or like what they're wearing um like, like I, I tend to glaze over those bits but i yeah. couldn't help but stop and picture like the fashion abomination that Blake has just created with this like bleached triangles and circles all over his shirt and stuff. Um, (laughs) It's it's a hilarious image. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think I'm similar to you in that I'll often just kind of skim 
physical descriptions and let my mind fill in the blanks, but this is very meticulous. And so you kind of mm. have to pay attention to all the stuff that he's doing here. Um, yeah. Well, and yeah. it's just such a crazy image as well that you can't help but like try to picture it. <laughs> yeah. um, he, I also like he, he says all the grooming and, and showering is all about, oh, you know, I'm, I'm reinforcing myself in civilization, uh, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know if I really buy that. I think he just wants to feel nice and, and like, you know, well groomed because you do just feel mm. better when you do that stuff. And, and like, I think Blake's sort of just justify, yeah, just justifying it this to himself a little bit. He's just sort of being like, ah, oh, this might help. And, and so I'm going to do it. But I, I think it's, it's more for him than it is genuinely like going to help with, with the magic. Yeah. I think one that it'll, it'll just, if he, as long as he thinks it's for that, it will kind of help in that regard anyway. Um, but you're right. He does kind of explicitly call out at least that he, his ideal image of himself is clean shaven. And so he really like meticulously shaves his face and, and puts in all this effort to make him feel like himself. Right. Which, uh, you know, that again, like, like we were saying with him going to get coffee with, with Tiffany, it, it, it kind of helps refill his personal power and his like belief in himself and all these things that kind of tie into making him more effective as a practitioner also he he didn't have a reflection when he was trying to shave so that's like that's a good sign i think (laughs) yeah i guess if rose was completely gone uh he would have a reflection again maybe i mean who who can even say yeah no i i mean i would think if he did have a reflection i would take that as a very good sign that rose was dead (laughs) yeah yeah, you're right. If there was a reflection again, that would be pretty bad. Um, so as he's doing all this kidding up, he, you know, he's taking hours to get himself ready. He's cooking himself some food. He's doing a lot of things. And throughout the whole thing, he's counting the time, checking, oh, is Rose here? No, she's not here. Oh, is Rose here? No, she's still not here. Um, very, making it very, very apparent that time is stretching on and on with still no sign of Rose. Yeah, you really feel the worry, like as he's just doing things, and it's just you know, it's it's like that thing where you're waiting for something, and and you look at your watch every five minutes, and he's yeah. he's looking up at the wall, and it's just he's just getting more and more worried and impatient, and and it adds a little bit of tension to everything that he's doing <laughs> in this, you know, otherwise yeah. fairly benign scene. He does the very relatable thing of saying to himself, okay, five o'clock, then I'll start doing something. If it gets to five o'clock, I really need to worry, which is like, I think everyone goes through that, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he even tries to distract himself with the book and then it's just like, he can't really sit there and read it because he's too tense. Yeah. So then he tries again, like a few more times. He starts reading Black Lamb's Blood and, you know, I mean, we're looking forward to him diving into this a bit, like exploring the diabolist side. And he sits down and he reads like the introduction or part of the introduction and then just gets distracted and goes to something else. But I, like, that's very relatable. Like I can, I can remember situations where I've been really tense and you're like, I'm just going to distract myself by reading this or, or watching this and, and, and yeah. you, know, you try to put on a TV show and like just about five minutes and you just like, I'm not enjoying this. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I can't, can't do, do this. It. Can't focus. <laughs> uh, so Blake sets this milestone of 5 p.m. for himself. And it hits 5pm and Rose is still not here. And so he tries to repeat her name. He he, he mm. lends power to his words and tries to form a connection with her and gets nothing. There's no connection. There's there's nothing. Which, like, that's a big deal. Like, regardless of what is going to end up happening to Rose, like, that's the fact that he doesn't mention any connection at all. Like, yeah. they were very connected. So that's a, yeah. that's a big deal. Yeah. And I think 
any time Blake has tried this explicit strategy, saying something's name, it's worked every single time. Except the lawyers, when he first tried to summon the lawyers, that didn't work. But mm. this has kind of been an inviolable rule so far. He summons Leonard, he summons June, he summons whoever it is, but not this time. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, it's very concerning. Yeah, so eventually Blake kind of realises, I'm just going to have to do this by myself. Uh, he, he finishes up getting ready, procrastinates a, f- a few more hours, and, and leaves to bind poos at 7pm. Um, the irony of Blake having to sit there and wait, and then it's like, no, actually, I am going to have to just run off and do this by myself is is pretty strong. Um <laughs> You know, he spent he spent the whole rest of the story with Rose by his side, and he's just run off without her. And mm. now we've had a, a half a chapter of him sitting there going, Rose, come back. And <laughs> she doesn't come back, so he's just going to have to do what he normally does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I don't think he's looking forward to it. No. Uh, so uh, Blake heads heads to the, the Doubt house and, and heads inside and, and sees Craig Doubt, this man who has been kind of possessed by Poos. Um, he's a broken, mal- malnourished man who has, like, soiled himself. Poos is there, and uh, the, the the chapter ends with these lines, which I think are beautifully ominous. Um, it looks like it will be just me today, I said. I know, Poos responded, confirming suspicions I hadn't even allowed myself to voice. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this kind of... I want to talk about what you think happened to Rose. There are kind of three theories that are presented throughout this chapter, right? Um, one is that Rose has kind of exerted her herself and has been kind of shunted off somewhere and is trying to make her way back. I think that's the optimistic theory at this point, the theory that she's just, she got kind of wiped out by breaking the windows and she just still hasn't found her feet yet, but she's coming back mm. soon. Yes. Uh, the second theory is that Conquest has pulled something, trying to fuck with Blake by taking away one of his key resources, which is a cruel way of referring to Rose, but probably accurate. Yeah, but also, he's meant to be on Conquest's side. God, I hate Conquest. Like, if if, if that's it, like, I'm just going to be like, like, what are you doing? Like, do you want a Diabolist <laughs> or not? Like, for fuck's yeah. sake. Um, and this third uh, theory that is suggested by the final lines is, Pooz has, has pulled something here and, and now Rose is in trouble. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, because this final line really did throw me, because mm. the way it's phrased kind of feels like a yes, this confirms theory X that you mm. should have thought of, right? because Blake sort of suggests that he's thought of it, um, yeah. and I, whereas I was just like, oh, shit, what? Like, what have I missed? What? Mm. Um, so, I mean, I don't think Rose is, like, gone or, like, like dead. Um, mm. I refuse to accept that. Like, even if she is still gone by, like, Arc 10... I'm just going to be sitting here saying, yeah, but when Rose is back next chapter. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what this is. Like, you know, you, you suggested the three theories. I, I thought, like, even it could be the radiation stuff. Like, um, she was just affected by the radiation, so she ran off or and and she can't come back for, so, I don't mm. know. It could be some left field shit I haven't even thought of, like the Duchamps or the Bahames. I guess uh, there's one theory we haven't really mentioned, which is Rose is a vestige inherently fragile and perhaps breaking the windows was just as much energy as she had left no but that suggests she's like dead or gone and i just refuse to accept that that, that outcome <laughs> well, all right <laughs> i guess that's that then but Can't let's be that one. yeah let's just wrap this up so i can go read 4.7 and find out <laughs> um well yeah actually well that brings us to the end of discussing the chapter um i want to pull out a comment that i really liked 
So I thought we'd, we'd dive into some comments from five years ago to see what people were thinking about when this story first came out. Um, hmm. I, I want to pull out this comment that kind of expanded on the, the uh, Poos has pulled something line, uh, which is over the course of the previous chapter, 4.5, Rose said Poos's name five times. <laughs> and so <laughs> th- there was this comment by Unmaker that, that takes this and says that this is maybe how Poos has pulled something. Rose said his name enough times that she kind of invoked a connection to him. And after she weakened herself by breaking the windows... Poos may have been able to exploit that connection to to mess with her, to pull some trick, um, which I think is a really fun theory and a cool observation as well. Uh, we'll see if it comes to pass. Yeah, I, I don't know if I buy it, but I, I do agree it makes sense. Like, it sort of adds up. Um, I think Poos introduced himself as a member of the fifth choir, so the whole five times to summon him bit sort of makes mm. sense. So, yeah, like, you know, this could be it. I, I don't think it is, but, like, yeah, it could be. Mm. Um, and so I, I pulled out a comment by Dude Man, uh, and this is a really long comment um, that goes through a lot of the stuff. This is basically Dude Man's um, thesis on uh, <laughs> <laughs> why he thinks Rose is ultimately meant to replace Blake, uh, and that's something yeah. we've talked about on here. And and he cites a lot of examples that we've also called out as we've been working through the story. Um, but the main thing I wanted to bring up is is the uh, dude man talks about the awakening ceremony all the way back in one point six and how Blake's ritual called man, for that was iron. A long time ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, but we had Blake's ritual that called for iron and Rose's ritual that called for holly. And I sort of discussed mm. at the end of that episode how holly is associated with protection and all that. So um, I thought it was something to sort of reinforce. Actually, I don't think I thought this back then, but it was like to reinforce the vestige or something. It was sort of my theory up till now. But Dude Man yep. actually mentions that it's also associated with like birth. And so their theory is that it's to do with the alteration or the, the alteration of Holly is to do with helping her rebirth into becoming a human as she goes to replace Blake. Just, mm. just an interesting idea. Interesting. Interesting. But um, uh, Dude Man definitely, I, I think we'll link these comments in the show notes, but Dude Man definitely deserves credit for this uh this comment because it's it's very long but uh very insightful yeah worth a read um yeah i I, you're still riding the rose will replace blake train pretty hard (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe not replace i I think i'd shifted more to merge recently but i'm still thinking something along those lines yeah Mm. okay interesting well we'll have to uh see how how those how these various comment theories track as we continue forward through uh, through Pact. Um, but that's the end of our episode for today. Uh, if you would like to chat to us about what you thought of Collateral 4.6, you can do so by heading to the discussion thread, which will be linked in our show notes down below. Uh, we usually get a bunch of people in there talking about their thoughts on the chapter and just diving into it all. So it's a, a fun place to be. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you should also check out our Twitter, which is uh, at MediaMDPodcast, uh, you know, and that's another way to hit us up. <laughs> yep. Um, you can find more about the show at doofmedia.com. Uh, we are a proud, proud member of the Doof Media Network. Uh, and uh, while you're on doofmedia.com, actually, you can check out some of the other great shows that are there. Uh, We've Got Ward has just released a new episode about uh, the current, the most recent two chapters of Ward, which I really enjoyed. Um, It was good to get Mm. a return to form, checking out Victoria's point of view and getting some awesome uh, Victoria thoughts. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I haven't um, haven't listened to that episode yet. I got to catch up. You should. It's a good one. 
Uh, but speaking of Doof, uh, obviously, uh, you know, we're, there's the, all the Doof po- podcasts are supported by our Patreon network. So if you head to mm-hmm. patreon.com slash doofmedia, uh, you can see all the benefits you'll get from, from donating apart from just, you know, helping us out and letting us make these podcasts. Yeah, I mean, helping us out should be reason enough, but if you don't want to just help us out out of the kindness of your heart, there are some more tangible benefits that you can also get. Um, while you're on Patreon, you can also check out Wildbow's Patreon, which is patreon.com slash wildbow, and throw Wildbow some money for continuing to make such awesome stories. Um, I have I still haven't read Twig, but I've enjoyed all the Wildbow stories that I've read so far. Actually, I'm planning to dive into Twig shortly, so we'll see about that. Awesome. Uh, But apart from that, I guess we'll see everyone on Wednesday the 20th for 4.7. Yep. We'll see you then.